Welcome to the Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. Hallelujah. Amen. Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year. Welcome to 2023. I agree with uh, what was said about so good to be here the first day of the year. What better way to spend the very first day of the year? I wish we had Sunday every year on, on uh, the January 1st. That'd be awesome. Well, Happy New Year. Um, I do have a, a few funny things this morning. And uh, I'm missing a couple of my faith laughers, so maybe we can get a couple more faith laughers this morning. <laughs> so thank you, Jesus, <laughs> for the faith laughers. <laughs> All right. One big difference between men and women is if a woman says, smell this, it usually smells nice. <laughs> it's not always true with, uh, I got four boys. <laughs> if they say, smell this, you do, you do not want to smell it. <laughs> A day without coffee is like, I'm just kidding, I have no idea. That is true. I don't remember when I, before B, BC, before coffee. It was a very sad time, though, I, I can tell you that. There are three kinds of people in the world, those who are good at math and those who aren't. That one takes a while. <laughs> I'm like, what's the third person? <laughs> Guess which one I am. <laughs> I tried to follow my dreams, and now I have multiple restraining orders. <laughs> that can happen. And I got one, one more. I accidentally wore a red shirt to Target today, and long story short, I'm covering for Debbie this weekend. <laughs> That's a do not wear a red shirt to Target, especially if you're an introvert. Or if you have, yeah, red shirt and khakis. If you're an introvert, you do not want to go to Target. If you're an extrovert, wear red shirt and khakis to Target. Everybody will ask you questions. And you can just jump right in and just pretend you work there. All right, Jesus, thank you so much. God, we just thank you that we have reached a new year. God, we pray for new blessings for this year, God. God, we pray for new victories, and we declare new victories this year. God, we declare new breakthroughs this year, God. God, that we're going to see new territory taken this year, God. God, we pray for new vision this year, God, that you're imparting new vision, God. God, that we are moving forward, God. We're not just walking in circles. God, we're not going backwards, but we're moving forward. We de just declare, God, this year is going to be a powerful, amazing year of new blessings for everybody here in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, I feel like the Lord gave me a word for the church this morning. I believe this year is a transitioning year. It's a time to transition out of the wilderness and into the promised land. So some of us have one foot in. We feel like maybe some of the things that have been prophesied over us or that we have had vision for, that we've reached the promised land, but maybe other areas of your life you're not there yet. And I know I could say that about my life. I feel certain things I feel like the Lord's taken me into the promised land, and there's other things I'm still contending for and waiting for. And so I feel like some of us have one foot in, one foot out, but this is the year to bring the other foot in, to, to bring your whole self in. Some of us are still wandering in the wilderness, 
And this is the specific word I felt for, for uh, people who feel like they're, they're wandering in the wilderness. It's time to make plans to enter the promised land. So that's the important word is you need to start to make plans to enter the promised land. So just before the children of Israel go into the promised land, God tells them in Deuteronomy 30, he says, Life and death I lay before you, blessing and cursing. Choose life that you and your descendants may live. What struck me in that is everybody has the ability to choose life. It's not something that gets magically handed to some and not to others. That would be a victim mindset. Oh, sometimes you get life, sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you don't. That's not the mindset we want to have. Everyone has the ability to choose life. God would never tell you to do something you cannot do. He says, I'm laying these two things before you, life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life that you and your descendants may live. So we're starting a brand new year today. And I believe this is a special, a special message that the Lord gave me for the uh, first part of the year. I think it was, um, it's uh, not a coincidence for this specific year that the very first day of the year is a Sunday and that we're, we're getting set up for success today. So the promised land was a land flowing with milk and honey. The promised land represents blessing. It represents prosperity. But specifically, what it represents is the place that God has called you to enter into, the blessing, the area of life and blessing, the plans that he has for you. This is what the, the uh, promised land represents. It represents the life that God has destined for you to have. So this is what God wants to transition us into. How many know that God didn't bring you out of Egypt to leave you in the wilderness? God brought you out to take you in. Let me say that again. God brought you out to take you in. How many know God is not satisfied with just you being saved and getting to heaven? He actually didn't just plan for you to just get saved, but he planned to take you out of destruction, out of darkness, and into the light, not just, just so you could get to heaven, but that he could take you into your promised land. And just as sure as he saved you, he has a plan to take you into the promised land, the next level. So we know that Moses led the Israelites out of slavery and through the Red Sea. And that was, this is an important detail, that they came out of slavery and through the Red Sea. And this whole, that whole story of Moses taking the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, through the Red Sea, this is a picture of what happens when we got saved. It's a prophetic picture. It's a metaphor, if you will, of what happened when we got saved. How many know that a life without Jesus is a life of bondage? It's a life as an orphan. It's a life as a slave. When we are saved, God transitions us from an orphan to a son instantly. We're transitioned from a slave to free. Amen? And so this is a, a prophetic picture, that whole story. And I, I just, God's put it on my heart to just start, go back to Moses' birth and just read through that whole story all the way through when the Israelites go into the promised land, because I feel like it's very prophetic for this year. So the way out of Egypt 
was through the Red Sea. The Red Sea represents the blood of Jesus. Your way out of slavery and into salvation was through the blood of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Here's another interesting thing about that story. The slave masters, the tormentors, the past life all drowned in the water behind them that day when they crossed through the Red Sea. And when you came into salvation through the blood of Jesus, your past life was drowned. The past tormentors were drowned. Your slave masters died behind you in the Red Sea that day. Amen? Now, the wilderness, after they go through the Red Sea, they go into the wilderness, and the wilderness is the in-between place from just being saved and transitioning into living the abundant life that Jesus paid for us to live in. The wilderness is the place where we grow up. The wilderness is the place where we, tr we don't just believe in, in Jesus, but we want to start to believe like Jesus. How many know our goal is not to act like Jesus? That doesn't sound right, does it? But our goal is not to act like Jesus. That's called acting. But if we can start to believe like Jesus, we'll automatically do the things that Jesus did. Amen? So the wilderness is the place where we grow up, we put in the work to know the Father, to know the Lord. We put in the work of, of growing and maturing and not just staying the same and not just being content to just be saved, but to actually grow and to move forward into the promised land. So unfortunately, the wilderness is the place where many Christians spend their whole lives. Just like the Israelites that came out of Egypt, most, almost everybody that came directly out of Egypt never went into the promised land. It was their descendants that went in. But God wanted them to go in. But because of some of the issues they had, they could not enter in. So unfortunately, the wilderness is a place where many Christians spend their whole lives. The Israelites were still mentally in slavery. This is why mind renewal is so important because as long as we have the old slave mentality, we cannot inherit our promised land. That's why that wilderness place is that time where we grow. We have to transition. You know, we, in the spiritual sense, we're instantly transitioned from orphan to son. But the wilderness is where we learn to live like a son. In a spiritual sense, we're instantly transitioned from slave to free. But we have to learn through renewing our mind to behave like a free man and not behave like a, a slave. Wendy Backlund, when she was here, she told a great story. Her and her husband went through a real wilderness season, and they were doing ministry. They were pastoring this small church in Nevada, and she said they weren't experiencing the abundant life. They were in a wilderness season. They were just barely getting by. And she said she had this moment where she was crying out to God. And she's like, oh, Jesus, just, just take my heart. Just take it. Just take it, Jesus. And she heard Jesus speak to her and say, Wendy, I have your heart. Now I need your mind. I mean, you know, God, if you've you said yes to Jesus, he has your heart. Now he wants your mind. This is what we do in the wilderness. We, we're learning to think like Jesus. We're learning to believe like Jesus. 
We're learning to renew our mind, to start to behave like a son. And the more that we step into sonship, the more, the closer that we get to our promised land. The more that we step, leave the orphan way of thinking and into sonship, the more that God can actually trust us with. Because he's not going to give you something that you, you can't handle. He's waiting for us to believe like Jesus and step into new levels of sonship so that he can actually give us more to steward. Amen? How I many know it's not a blessing to get a million dollars if you don't know what, if you can't steward it? We've seen that over and over with so many people that get a bunch of money and they don't know how to steward it and they end up drug addict, overdose, suicide. So it's not a blessing to get something unless you know how to handle it, how to steward it. And this is what we're learning in the wilderness. Amen. Let's just take a laugh break. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. <laughs> so when they come into the wilderness, there's so many stories. When you read that story, these are lessons that we need to learn in that wilderness season to transition into the promised land. So every story that you read about the Israelites in that wilderness time, it's for us. It's for us to learn from, to glean from. So when they're in the wilderness, they need water to drink. God tells Moses to strike the rock, and then water will come out from the rock. Who's the rock? Jesus says, strike the rock, and then water is going to come out of it. Now, we know water represents the Holy Spirit, but it also represents life. How many know you're not going to live very long without water? So life. Strike the rock. Jesus was struck. Jesus was crucified. Jesus was pierced, and blood and water came out of him. There was another time where they needed water, and now the instruction from the Lord was, speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. Why did he tell him to, to speak to the rock and not to strike the rock? Well, Jesus only needed to be struck once. And when he was struck, living water came out of him. Now our job is to speak to the rock. Relationship. Speaking is relationship, connection. Speak to the rock. But Moses, if you know the story, he didn't speak to the rock. He, he, was in, he had a little bit of a, a temper flare up. He was angry with the Israelites. He called them rebels. And he says, must we bring you water out of this rock? Just all kinds of problems with this, this encounter. Must we do this for you? We're going to bring water out of this rock. And because he didn't speak to the rock, he struck the rock. The, uh, the Lord said, you won't enter into the promised land. So finally, the Israelites get to the edge of their promised land. And I want to tell you this morning that I believe this, that many of you are at the edge of your promised land. Many of you are at the edge. And I feel like this year is a year where the Lord's trying to get you in and the enemy's trying to give, get you to give up. You're right on the cusp. You're right on the edge. And God wants to take you in. But the enemy wants you to give up because he knows you're close.
So I want to talk to you about three things that the Israelites had to overcome to get into the promised land. God brought them out of slavery to take them into the promised land. And God brought you out, out of slavery, into salvation to take you into your promised land. But before we talk about the three things that they had to overcome, I want to tell you that whatever you think is keeping you out is probably not what's keeping you out. You may have a whole bunch of reasons in your mind that you automatically go to, and you're like, well, these are the things that are keeping me out. But I want to submit to you that they, those are probably not the things that are actually keeping you out of your promised land. The Israelites thought that the, the walls were keeping them out. They said these, these are big cities. The cities are they're fortified. They have big walls. They thought the walls were keeping them out. They thought that the giants were keeping them out. They thought that the armies were keeping them out. How many know that none of those things were keeping them out? None of those things were keeping them out. The obstacles that you see in front of you can't keep you out. The giants in front of you can't keep you out. The people that are against you can't keep you out. The government can't keep you out of your promised land. What they thought was keeping them out was not what was keeping them out. This is great news because you're in charge if you actually are going to enter in or not. Someone else is not in charge of that. You're not going to get to heaven and say, I, I couldn't get in because of the giants, or because of the obstacles, because of the walls, because God's already provided a way for you to get through all of those things. So what, what actually kept them out? The external things can't keep you out. This is the three things that the Israelites had to overcome to get in. Hebrews 3.19 says this, So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Unbelief is something that will keep you out of the promised land. Joshua and Caleb saw the land and they said, We should surely go up and take possession of the land, for we will surely overcome it. But the other 10 leaders said this in November, uh, Numbers 13. They said, we went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey. Nevertheless, the people who live in there are strong, and the cities are fortified. They're very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, giants. None of those things were the problem. Unbelief was the problem. I want to tell you this morning, the words that God has spoken over you are bigger than any giant in front of you. The giants aren't the problem. Unbelief is the problem. God's hand is on your life. His hand is on your life. And just like the Israelites, he told them that they were going to overcome. He told them, I've given you this land. It's yours. But only two out of ten actually believed it. Because they actually believed the word that the Lord said. That's why they came back with the report they did. They're like, oh, we're, we're well able to inherit the land. God's already told us we are. So they were looking at it from a different perspective. They weren't even thinking about what could stop them because they already knew God told them they were going in. They were looking, about, looking at like, wow, this is like all this stuff's going to be ours. These giants are our bread. We should... Go and take possession of the land, for we will surely overcome it. 
So God's hand is on your life. He's already defeated the giants. He's already overcome the obstacles. So here's what I feel like God put on my heart. The Bible says we all have a measure of faith. But where are we putting our faith? Is our faith in the obstacles? Because I, I want to submit to you that the 10 spies that came back, by the way, do you, does anybody know the names of the 10 spies? No, but what's the name of the two that came back with a good report? Joshua and Caleb. We don't remember their names because we don't want to remember people who are telling us what we can't do. We remember Joshua and Caleb's names because they told us what was possible. I know that there's people in this room, all across this room, that are Joshua's and Caleb's. That they, they are looking for what God said that we can do and to step into it. So we all have a measure of faith, but where are we putting our faith? The 10 spies were putting their faith in the giants and the walls and the terrain that was difficult and all the obstacles. But Joshua and Caleb had their faith in the word that God gave them. He said, You're gonna, the land is yours. Go up and take it. Where are we putting our faith? How many know that our job as a believer is to believe? Our job is to believe. Our job is to move forward in faith. And I feel like that's another word for this year. Move forward in faith. Move forward in faith. Stop making excuses about why you can't do it. And just begin to move forward in faith. After Jesus resurrected, Thomas heard from the other disciples that Jesus was alive. And he said, unless I see and touch, I won't believe. Later, he actually does see Jesus. And in John 20, it says that Jesus said to Thomas, place your finger here and see my hands and take your hand and put it in my side. And do not continue in disbelief. I love this translation. This is the NASB. Do not continue in disbelief, but be a believer. Do not continue in disbelief, but be a believer. We are called believers. Our job is to believe. Step out in faith and believe. I challenge you to take a new leap of faith in your life this year. Take a new leap of faith in your life this year. How many remember, uh, I'm trying to remember which one it was. It was Indiana Jones movie. It's one where he had to like take the leap of faith and he, he steps out and he can't see that there's a, a ground and but there's there's actually a ground there that was like he couldn't see but it was there. I feel like that's that's a prophetic word there for some people this year. It's like God is saying, take the step of faith. Even if you can't see, remember this was Thomas's issue. He said, unless I see, I won't believe. But some of us, we need to just take that step even when we can't see, just in faith. So unbelief kept them out. 
The second thing that kept them out was intimidation. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. That can also be translated intimidation. But of power, love, and a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7. Intimidation will keep you out of your promised land. Many of you know my testimony already that I used to be extremely intimidated to speak in front of people. And this wasn't that long ago. This was about 10 years ago. I was extremely intimidated to talk in front of people. In high school, I did speech and debate, and I'd literally shake before I got up to speak. I'd like literally just be shaking like a leaf. And even so 10 years ago, when I was still dealing with it, I used to look at pastors, people doing what I'm doing right now, and I would say, I could never do that. And I'd get physically, I'd feel physically sick just, just like thinking about it. Just thinking about doing it, I'd get sick to my stomach. And one day, I heard this message about the spirit of intimidation. I'd never heard about, heard about a spirit of intimidation before. And after the message, I, I knew, I was like, wow, that's, this is what I'm actually dealing with. This is actually a spiritual force. Because I thought all my life, it's just something I need to overcome. I need to be more confident. But it was actually a spiritual force. And one clue that you can have that something may be a spiritual force you're dealing with, maybe a spirit of fear, a spirit of intimidation, is you may have like physical things happening in your body. And that's what was happening with me. I'd literally shake. I'd like get nauseous even thinking about it. And so I watched this message and I realized intimidation was keeping me out of my calling. And I was driving over here somewhere, driving down 7th Street. This was before we even had this church. Driving down 7th Street, heading towards Deer Valley. And this was the next day after I, I saw this message. I was just crying out to God. And something just came over me. And I just, I just started to shout. And I just said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command the spirit of intimidation to leave me right now. And I was yelling. You don't have to yell at the devil. But, but that's where I was at. I was like so sick of this thing in my life. And I was screaming this. I was like, I command you to leave in Jesus' name. And when I said that, I felt a physical presence leave me. I've never experienced anything like that before or since. And I wish that every spiritual battle was that easy. I felt this physical presence leave me. It felt like it came out of me and went right out of my neck and just left me. And I felt the change in the atmosphere as soon as it left. And the Lord showed me a picture of David when he faced Goliath. And one of the things you may not realize about that story is the whole nation of Israel, including King Saul, was actually under a spirit of intimidation from this one man, Goliath. And the reason that David has such a contrasting perspective is because he was the only one that wasn't. Because he had been anointed as the king of Israel, as the next leader of Israel. And he walks into this situation, and he's the only one unaffected by the spirit of intimidation. And the situation to him is ridiculous. He's like, why is someone not going to kill this fool? I mean, that's really, if you look at the story, that's what he was like, this, is, this does not compute. Somebody go down there and kill him. 
So the Lord showed me this. This like this presence left me. The Lord shows me this was all like really hot, really quickly. Shows me this flash with David, and he says, "Look what one man can do without intimidation." We know what David did. Look what one man can do without intimidation. And I got hit by a spirit of joy. Like this all happened like boom, boom, boom. And I got hit with the spirit of joy and I began to laugh and laugh and laugh. And I was laughing hysterically. Like I just, like harder than I'd ever laughed in my life. Like I'd seen the funniest thing ever. I was laughing so hard I had to pull off the road. And I just pulled off the road and just sat there and laughed for like five minutes, like hysterically laughing my head off. Yeah. That spirit never bothered me again. I actually preached that weekend at my church at, at a Sunday school, not in the main service, but in the Sunday school. I actually preached for the first time, and it was the first time that I got up in front of a group of people where I had no fear. It was like, and it was like a light switch. It was like night and day. It's like no mistaking it. It was like you were intimidated and now you're not. So intimidation kept the Israelites out of the promised land. Now you may not have a literal spirit of intimidation. Maybe it's just some bad beliefs. But if it is a spirit, it's actually possibly good news. <laughs> because you can tell it to go, and it has to go. Like I said, I wish everything was that easy as I discovered that day. Like, I cast out impatience in Jesus' name. <laughs> like, I think it's not going. So it may be a spirit, um, and again, like it could, and maybe there's other spiritual forces you're dealing with. Can it? Can a Christian be affected by a demonic spirit? I was a worship leader in my church, loved Jesus, gave my heart to Jesus when I was 12, rededicated my life when I was 27. Was, again, this was only 20 years or 10 years ago. I was 36 at the time, following the Lord, but totally under this influence of a demonic spirit. So, yes, a Christian can be affected by a demonic spirit. But the good thing is you have authority over it. You just need to exercise the authority that God's given you. So if you think that it may be as I'm talking, you may be dealing with the same thing, then actually start to just take authority over it and see what happens. It might be an instant shift. But if it's not a spiritual force, it may be some lies that you're believing. It may be something that God needs to do a mind renewing in you. And I want to encourage you to go after that this year. Go after anything that intimidates you, whether it's a spiritual battle or whether it's a mind renewal battle. I want to encourage you to go after it, to do the work. Sometimes we're hesitant, and especially in our church, to say the word work. Because you don't have to work for your salvation. You don't have to work to maintain your salvation. You don't have to work to receive the blessing like the song we were singing today, the blessing. Jesus, how many know Jesus has already provided the blessing? But it's just like the Israelites. He had already provided the promised land. But they had mind renewal that had to take place so that they could inherit it. 
So I want to encourage you this year to go after the things that intimidate you. Go after the areas of unbelief and do the work. Get the sozo. Get the counseling and actually do the work and go after it because God has it for you. Yes, it's yours to take and possess, but you may have to actually step out and do something. Amen. Second Timothy 1 7, verse I read says, God's not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, which can be translated intimidation, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Now, if you were paying attention the last time I read it, I said power, love, and a sound mind. So certain translations say self-discipline. And other ones say sound mind. So which is it? Because those, how many know those are not close? <laughs> like there's some translations where you're like, well, those two words kind of mean the same thing. Not here. Self-discipline, sound mind mean completely different things. So I did a word study on this years ago. And it comes, the, the word that was actually translated there is the Greek word sophranismos. Sophranismos. And here's when, you, excuse me, when you do a deep study of the word, here's what it means. Self-discipline that produces a sound mind. So this, again, this is what's on my heart is this year, we need to go after mind renewal. And you may need to exercise the self-discipline, but it's going to produce a sound mind. Amen. Are we willing to put in the work to renew our minds? This doesn't happen accidentally. It's like Wendy Backlund. She says it doesn't happen by osmosis. We have to decide to go after <coughs> mind renewal and good beliefs. So two things that kept the Israelites out of their promised land were unbelief and intimidation. I want to talk about one more. Number three, a grasshopper mentality. A grasshopper mentality. In Numbers 13.33, it says this. There we saw giants. This is the ten leaders that came back with a bad report. There we saw giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. How many notice that that's kind of worded in a strange way? We're going to talk about that in a second. How do you see yourself? They couldn't get into the promised land because of the way they saw themselves. They had a grasshopper mentality. An angel appears to Gideon and says, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And he says, You got the wrong guy. Uh, do you see what I'm doing right now? I'm hiding. I'm, trying to, I'm just trying to hide a little bit of food. And in hopes that I can keep this tiny bit of food. I'm letting them take the rest, but I'm just trying to hide a little bit. You got the wrong guy. Gideon didn't see himself how God saw him. He had a grasshopper mentality. 
How do you see yourself? If you see yourself as insignificant, unimportant, unnecessary, it will keep you out of your promised land. This is the year, again, to go after new beliefs. Your promised land is within reach. Your promised land is within reach. You just might need to change how you see yourself. You just might need to get God's perspective on how he sees you. You are important. You are significant. We need to see ourselves like God sees us. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Some of you need to wake up and just start your day like that. Daniel, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Jim, Joe, the Lord is with you, mighty warriors. Jill, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Amen. The Lord is with you. Here's the kicker. I'm going to go back to that verse that we read that that's just has a, kind of reads a little bit strange. It's not just important about how, how you see yourself. It's also important how you see others around you. It says, we, plural, were like grasshoppers in our own sight. We were grasshoppers in our sight. The problem wasn't just how they saw themselves. The problem was how they saw the people around them. Oh, we're all grasshoppers. They were looking around saying, grasshopper, grasshopper, grasshopper. None of us can do this. Grasshopper mentality. It's not just important how you see yourself. It's important how you see others. We need to become a community of believers who see the greatness in one another. How many know that's one of the main functions of the prophetic is to encourage and edify, to see the gold in someone and to call it out, not just for their benefit, but for the benefit of the community that they're in. I need to see the gold in you and I need to call it forth for your own good but also we need it. We need it here in this house. Your workplace needs it. Your family needs it. This world needs it. And so a powerful community is one that doesn't see each, other's, see each other like grasshoppers, but we actually look for the gold in one another. We actually are calling out the gold in one another. This is a big reason for the prophetic. Here's one of the things about entering the promised land. We are not supposed to go alone. The Israelites weren't meant to go singly into the promised land. They were meant to go together into the promised land. We're supposed to go together. And the key is how we see each other. This should be a community where we see the gold in one another. Your success is our success. We should be cheering one another on. We should be celebrating one another's victories because your success is my success. My success is your success. 
Amen. Giants can't keep you out of your promised land. Obstacles can't keep you out. Your government can't keep you out. People who are against you can't keep you out. Those are the things that keep us out. Unbelief, intimidation, and a grasshopper mentality. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Thank you so much for being here today. I just want to, I'm going to do a couple things. I'm so happy that we get to spend the first day of the year here together. So I want to just pray over you this morning. Would you just close your eyes? Father, thank you for taking us out of Egypt. Thank you that you rescued us, that we are no longer slaves. Thank you that we are no longer orphans. Thank you that if we've said yes, if we have said next to you, Jesus, if we have said yes to you, Jesus, we thank you that we are sons, that we are not orphans. We are sons. We thank you that we're no longer slaves, that we've been set free. We thank you that we've been set free from the burden of sin. We thank you that we've been set free to live the life that you've called us to live. So, Father, I pray for a breakthrough this year. God, I pray for a breakthrough over each person that's here, God. I pray for family breakthrough, God. God, I pray for marriage breakthrough, God. I pray that you give us the courage and that we would have the courage to do the work this year, to work towards mind renewal. God, not to stay the same, not to just mail it in, but to say, no, I'm, I'm not going to stay the same as I was last year. I'm going forward in faith. I'm going forward in faith. God, I pray for the courage to move forward in faith this year. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. This is a year to move forward. This is a year to tackle the hard things. God has already given you the victory. Thank you, Jesus. If there's anybody here this morning that you don't know Jesus, you've never given your life to him, I want to give you an opportunity. See, Jesus came to earth 2,000 years ago. And he came for a specific reason. He came to die on the cross for us. To take us out of slavery and into real life, true life. The only true life that you'll ever find is a life in Christ. And Jesus came to earth. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He revealed the Father, but he mostly came here to die for you and I so that you and I could have a way out of slavery, out of Egypt, and into our promised land. And that we would spend eternity with, G with Jesus and with the Father in heaven. There's only two options. We're either going to spend eternity with Jesus or we're going to spend eternity apart from Jesus. And so if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, this is your moment. Jesus died on the cross. He paid the price for your, your sin.
And then he rose from the dead, and he's alive today. He's alive. He's not still dead on the cross. He's alive. And he's here, and he's ready to receive you. So if you'd like to give your heart to Jesus, or if you'd like to rededicate your life today, this is the time to do it. I'm going to say a prayer, and I'd like us to all repeat it together. And if you're saying this prayer for the first time, I believe Jesus is going to come into your life. Or if you'd like to rededicate your life, I believe this is, this is the moment that Jesus is going to do something special for you. So Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus in my place that he would die for me. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. I ask for forgiveness of my sins. Come and be the Lord of my life. Amen. If you said that prayer, I believe that you became saved if you said it for the first time. And just with eyes closed, would you just let me know if there's somebody here, there's several here that would say, yes, I rededicated my life today, or I gave my life to Jesus for the first time. Would you just raise your hand just to let me know? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And anybody on the live stream as well, if you gave your life to Christ, would you just let us know? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.